podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The dream is made real. Ricky Howard rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, joined as always by Johnston for a Shooting the Breeze episode. We've not done a Shooting the Breeze episode for a couple of months now because we've just obviously been busy doing our career profiles podcast and we've been doing the fight previews and reaction shows, so we've not had the opportunity to do a Shooting the Breeze and it's a perfect time to do one, really, because of the big fights that have happened over the past month or so. It's changed the way the pound for pound list kind of looks now in people's eyes and there's been some shifts in the space of a week there was probably two shifts in that pound for pound number one spot and we thought we'd sit down we'd talk about the pound for pound list we'd talk about where the heavyweight list is at the moment and and just generally chat about what's going on within them lists and the fighters that are within them and potentially how that could look by the end of the year going into the following year so I'm looking forward to chatting about it because it is a very subjective conversation because not everybody's going to agree. Some people will sit and agree with what we're going to say, Johnson, and some will be like, nah, absolutely no way would I put this person at the top or this person at number two. And I suppose that's what the beauty is of this sport sometimes is that you can have a really healthy debate about a pound-for-pound list and really there isn't no right answer for this, is there? There isn't, and that's the beauty of it. It is your own how you see fit, really. And the, the funny thing is, is when you do attempt to put something out at some point, as I have done years ago, I'm, I don't tend to do that sort of stuff now. Uh, but when I, you know, as the years go by, um, you start realizing that you know, there's no, not really much point to put anything out on anything social media wise because you just get knocked down for it. And you know, at the end of the day, it's your own opinion. So if someone wants to put someone in that is probably, probably, a little bit out there then that's probably because they like the fire right, that's the way i see it but we, we try to be as we don't be we ain't biased in any way we look at fighters for what they are and what they've achieved in not just these last 12 months but also probably collectively in their careers as well you, you can't neglect what someone's done in the history of the sport as well as what they're doing currently so and then obviously you've got the youngsters coming through so yeah, it's very subjective. You just don't know. Some people will have certain fighters in the top 10. Some won't even have them anywhere near the top 15. Um, I think, to be fair, you know, with our honest opinions, we're not that far away. Uh, I don't think many people are. I think especially the top sort of five, definitely the top three. And then after that, it's anyone's really. Uh, there's, a, there's a collection of about 15 fighters that could all fit in that top 10 in there. Yeah, there is. And, you know, I'm going to look at the, the one that I think is in my opinion, the most the most accurate to how I feel about the current top 10. And I know you've got your own list and, you know, I've kind of based mine on ESPN's list because I feel that ESPN list is the one that pretty much matches up with where I see the current pound-for-pound pound top 10. And again, you won't always agree with some of these fighters that are in this list, but this is the whole point of this conversation is to create that debate. So when the episode is out there and you're listening to it and you're hearing us talk about a certain fighter being at, say, number five, number six, number seven, and you're going, ah, no way, this shouldn't even be in the top ten. But 
you know, we can give our sort of justifications and reasonings behind why we think that should be the case. But again, it isn't necessarily always going to be the right answer for many people because you, you always look at these lists and you do definitely look at it through a completely different lens, through rose-tinted spectacles, as they say. You definitely look at it through, a, through, through different sets of spectacles when it comes down to these pound-for-pound lists. But, you know, I look at ESPN's list and they put, Javonta Davies in at number 10 in their list and their description of that is Tanker Storm the lightweight division with a 29-0 record and an incredible 27 KOs after flattering Ryan Garcia with a KO the division is on notice eagerly awaiting to see who he'll face next so ESPN put Javonta Davies in at number 10 the question probably is now is I, I, I would put him in the top 10 and I probably would agree with a number 10 ranking but maybe people won't agree with that because he hasn't done anything at his current weight of significance where it justifies him going into that top 10 but I feel like his accolades previously is what's kind of put me in this position where I've gone do you know what Javonta's got to be stuck in that top 10 and yeah okay I can't put him above some of the other ones that are in this particular list but I certainly think he edges his way into this top 10 and that's kind of why I agree with it as well. I don't know what your thoughts are on Gervonta as a as a fighter and whether he meets the requirements of the pound for pound list for you Johnston but would you put Gervonta Davies in the top 10? I think he probably just sneaks in. I think the one thing um I initially said no, I don't think I think he just sits on the outside of it. But then I think again, and you look at it, you know, the guy is a freeweight world champion as well. You've got to remember that. And uh, that does that includes the WBA regular lightweight title. But I mean, he's a free four weight, however you want to perceive it. He's definitely one of the best lightweights around, if not the best. I mean, we're not going to really know. I mean, he's fought super featherweights, fought lightweight, uh, light welterweight even. So, you know, the, the, the guy is, he, he goes between weights, a bit like Canelo that way in the, in the lower reaches of boxing. But, yeah, I mean, look, IBF super featherweight, WBA super featherweight, WBA lightweight, WBA super lightweight, and whatever one of them was super and regulars, it's up to you, you know, whether you want to you know, conceive any of those titles, some of those titles as legitimate or not. But when you look at it, sort of last 12 months, what, since August 2022, he fought in May. I, I look at it from August 2022 to August 2023, if you look at it like 12 month period, because where we're at now, but just before that in May, he fought that. Romero knocked him out in six. Then he had the Hector Luis Garcia stoppage in nine. Then obviously the big fight was the Ryan Garcia fight. And you know, it was an excellent win over Garcia. He's a three weight world champion, four weight if you however you want to look at it. And he probably just does deserve his place in the top ten. I mean, the only ones I could say could be pushing him would be your sort of Estrada. I like Estrada. I think he's, uh, you know, considering what he's done, but in the controversial wins over Roman Gonzalez puts me off. Shakur Stevenson's another one. I mean, I know he probably might crop up in a minute, Sean, but he's another one that sort of in, in those top top parts of the uh, pound for pound list. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I'm going to agree. I'm going to say, for me, Javante sits about nine, nine, ten. Well, funnily enough, Shakur Stevenson's down at number nine in ESPN's list. So, you know, you're not too far away, really, with that. And, and they describe Shakur as a young lion in the lightweight division. Stevenson's agility and skill earned him 20 victories. And his recent TKO over Shirichiro Yoshino keeps him on the rise. Of course, we're all on the edge of our seats to know what's going to happen next with him. And, 
you know, he was calling out Vasily Lomachenko. There's rumours that Lomachenko is actually going to retire. So whether that fight happens is another question. Will he have a fight with Devin Haney? There's questions over a potential fight there. Will he fight Javonta Davis in the lightweight division? Do you know, there's some, there's some really mouth-watering prospects for Shakur, but does he warrant being in the top pound-for-pound pound list at the moment? And and yes, I think he does. I think what he's done so far in his career, the titles that he's won, the performances that he's put on, I'd find it difficult to not put him in there. Yes, okay, I'm putting him at the back end of the top 10. I'm going to agree and say number nine's a pretty adequate one. Some people might put him at number 10 and, and, and might trump another fighter over him. But how could you not put him in there at the moment, given what he has done in his, his, his career so far? And, you know, we haven't really seen the best, I don't think. I think the best is definitely yet to come. But one of his biggest wins, of course, is over Oscar Valdez. And, you know, we saw Oscar Valdez not long ago in his fight with Emmanuel Navarrete. And for Shakur Stevenson to, to, to do that against a seasoned fighter like Valdez, who was coming to, to put it on him, he just made it look really simple and straightforward for him. And what he's done in his career in terms of his accolades so far, I'm quite impressed with him. And I think he deserves to be in that top 10, albeit at the back end of it. I still think he deserves to be there because, you know, other fighters that I'm going to be talking about are already above him in, in terms of accolades and career achievements and, and where they're at at the moment. But I can't see anyone else outside of him you know, other than the next fighter that I'm going to speak about, that that I think would put him in this top ten pound for pound list. I know you really like Shakur, so does Shakur make your top ten personally? Oh, mate, look, I'm, if you asked me yesterday, I would have said yes, um, and then I sort of looked at another gentleman who we'll come to later on, and there was a there's a guy that I think I feel gets overlooked, and I watched his fight again recently, uh, and so I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to wait to the end because he doesn't even. He doesn't get mentioned there in the power, power list, and I feel that like he deserves to. So he sort of pushed Shakur out for me. And I was I was drawn with, was it going to be Davis? Is it going to be Stevenson? I think Davis has just had, you know, he's won numerous titles. I know, you know, Shakur is, you know, he's a WBO featherweight and he's a unified super featherweight champion. The Oscar Valdez win come in April. So not quite in that 12-month time, but still you've got to look at the whole package. And with, with Davis also being... Santa Cruz early in his career and I know that wasn't within 12 months I'm not you can't always the thing for me is you need to look at activity but that you know these fighters one thing I will say Sean is looking through these the, the, the pound for pound fighters and who the best fighters are around in the world at the moment those champions they fight once a year the, inact, the inactivity of fighters makes it so difficult to be able to actually pick the, the the main guys because it's just one win as you know you look at what you're looking at effectively is everyone's had one or two fights and which one of them two fights is as the best so then what you do need to draw on is their history so for me stevenson's still very very talented and one of my favorite fighters around at the moment he will be a top 10 fighter up you know this guy potentially will be one of the best pound for pounders of all time he, he has got all the attributes to do it I think the one thing about him is that there are moments where he could put, you know, he could stop a fight. I feel like he can do that. And he's still young, but he, he just doesn't, he, whether he lacks that killer instinct or it's be, or it's because he just, he, he enjoys just beating someone up. Uh, and, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I've got no, you know, he's got a 50% knockout ratio. It's not, it's not bad knockout ratio, but I still think there were moments in his career this early, it's very early, but there were moments, Sean, 
that I feel that he could have put his foot down and finished the fellow off and he didn't. So for me, that's why Davis has just tipped him in there. Um, but yeah, look, I, tomorrow I might think differently because I did yesterday. <laughs> so um, Shakur is definitely one of them guys that's all in it. And But at the minute, in this current moment, in this time as in now we're doing this, no, not for me, just misses out. Well, in some other lists, for example, the Ring Magazine list of the top 10 pound-for-pound fires, at number 10, they've got Vasily Lomachenko, and at number 9, they've got Tiafimo Lopez in there. They don't, even, they don't even put Tyson Fury in their list, whereas in the ESPN list, Tyson Fury features in that. And, and again, it's, it's, it's subjective. Errol Spence features in the Ring Magazine's list, still at number 6, even though he's just been defeated by Terence Crawford. But again, at ESPN, they don't have him in the list whatsoever. Now, for me, this is where the disparity comes into it, because, you know... Tiafimo Lopez, does he make my top 10 pound for pound fighters at the moment? And, and no, he really, really doesn't. I wouldn't put him in there as a top 10 pound for pound fighter because if I look at what he's done in his career, yeah, okay, he's 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 been undisputed at lightweight, but he's now up and he's moved up to super lightweight and he's now WBO champ and ring magazine champ. Do I put him in the top 10 pound for pound list? No, not really. Not in my eyes. I, I, I don't think he, he really should sit there at the moment. So, you know, there's someone else that I think could probably overtake him and people might say, well, no, he shouldn't he shouldn't be there at all. So I, I'd put over him in this list Arta Paterbiev. People are going to go, what, Paterbiev? Paterbiev hasn't done multiple weights. Okay, I know he hasn't done multiple weights, but I think he's got a perfect 100% record with 100% KOs and, you know, he's he's unmatched in the division at the moment and until he gets that big fight with Dimitri Bivol... Then I, I, I'd we need he wouldn't go any further than where I'd put him. I'd put him at number eight at the moment, uh, in terms of where he at in the pound for pound like rankings. But I, I'd definitely put him in there. I really would put him in there just because of how consistent he is has been. Just because he hasn't won multiple weight world titles doesn't really mean he shouldn't be in there, and it shouldn't be a case of you should just only put fighters in that have won titles in multiple weights. But Turby has just been completely consistent throughout his career in this division and potentially could go on to beat Bivol and potentially could be one of the greatest light heavyweights in boxing history. Obviously, it remains to be seen. He's got a little bit of a way to go to do that. But I think if he was to, to, to beat a Bivol, that would make him one of the best in this division of all time so that's why I'd keep him in and and I wouldn't have Tiafimo Lopez in this and that's is where this is where the debates come now so I'd put him in at number eight so I'd, I'd favor Davis at number 10 I'd favor Shakur at number nine and then I'd go Baturbiev uh, at number eight excuse me um yeah, I, I look, Baturviev, for me, he's in, I've got him at seven. I've got him a little bit higher because of the fact he's won 19 fights out of 19. He's a unified light heavyweight champion. You know, you look who he fought in June, he, he absolutely destroyed Joe Smith Jr., who, who I think is a, a, a tremendous fighter himself in this in this weight. He smashed him up in two rounds. Anthony Yard destroys him in eight rounds. And okay, yes, he would have had a fight this year. Um, later on this year, but it has not happened. So it looks like January 2024 is going to be the Callum Smith fight, which is going to be a fascinating fight. But Artur Baturviev is a monster. The, the man is a beast and could arguably knock out anyone on this list of any weight class. You know, this is what, you, what you're talking about is guys where you stick them in a ring, irrelevant of their weight, 
And you're trying to tell me that, you know, some of these guys could stand up to a Baturviev. Not many have. And I don't think even in this list, not many will. Um, so he has to feature in the top 10. Has to. I don't think there's even an argument for it. The guy's an animal. So, um, yeah, for me, I would 100% have Baturviev. And now I wouldn't have Lomachenko. I think, again, he just misses out. And I think the, the, the annoying thing of it is I feel that he beat Haney. And, you know, to lose an, an undisputed... Uh, uh, sort of the undisputed and a, a unanimous decision as well is is harsh on him because I thought he he fought tremendously well and deserved the win and then if he if he had have retained them titles again and become an undisputed lightweight champion I don't think anyone would have an argument with him being in the top ten so on that note you know I can see why people would have him in there but unfortunately the result you can't help it that's what irritates me and grinds me down with Canelo and Golovkin, because Golovkin should have always been in and around the top 10s and people used to have Canelo in front of him. He used to drive me nuts because I just think, Golovkin beat him. But um, look, it's, 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 it's how it is. Unfortunately, you've got to look at the results. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you though, Sean. Baturviev in there, Lamachenko missing that. Lopez wouldn't be in there for me. Great win against Josh Taylor. He needs to follow out with a big win. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that that statement as well. And, you know, you might have him a little bit higher than me, but the reason why I've got him a little bit lower than you is because the fighter who I would put higher than him in this pound-for-pound pound list that, that I'm doing would be Devin Haney. I'd put Devin Haney at number seven. And because of what he's done in his career, again, another fighter, young fighter that's done what he's done in his career, undisputed lightweight champion. Okay, the elephant in the room is what you've just mentioned there. Lomachenko, did he beat him? Well, I think we we both believe that he did, but he didn't get the result on paper. And that's the problem. When you're doing a pound-for-pound pound list, this is where the arguments come in. Do you drop him down because he lost in your eyes, or do you keep him in there because on paper he's still an undisputed champion in the lightweight division with an undefeated record and... Potentially, you know, he could go on to be a, a champion in another way. He faces Regis Progre in his next fight, and he's going up to fight him in, in, in a different way. So Devin Haney could go on to be another uh, multiple-weight champion if he beats Regis Progre. So there's some really interesting fights for Devin Haney on the horizon. Of course, there's the Shakur Stevenson fight. There's the Javante Davies fight in the lightweight division. But we've always said we think he's going to move up and stay up eventually. So... It might be the case that he, he does fight Regis and stays up at that weight and ends up vacating all of his titles. And then people like Shakur and Javonta Davis and maybe Lomachenko will stick around. And, you know, between them all, they'll start picking up the vacant belts. Who knows? But I have to have him in at number seven above Baturbiev. And that's the difference between sort of our our pound-for-pound pound list so far is that I've got Baturbiev a little bit lower than you and I've got Hania. Uh, higher and, and and of course I'm going to let you talk about Haney in a second but I, on paper because of the results because of even though I don't agree with it he still for me sits at sort of number seven in this list and and that's why I'd put him uh, above Baturbiev at the moment. Yeah no I'm, I'm look it's, it's again it's it's these are I feel for me sort of from 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 six down to ten you, you can adjust things as you see fit and I mean, the fact is, is Errol Spence Jr., I, I I know you haven't featured him in there, but I, I mean, I had, the crazy thing is, I've, I've got Javonna at nine and I've got Errol Spence at eight and then Baturbiev at seven. So that's my, and then I've got, I've got Haney at six. But these could reshuffle around, you know, you've got Estrada in there as well. And another guy 
who we haven't mentioned, Jamel Charlo. I mean, he is an undisputed Superweight World Champion. He's one of the guys that is only one fight away from becoming a undisputed champion in two different weights in the four belt era. Some era, sorry, something that obviously Crawford's done and uh, a new way seeking to do, as well as Usyk, who obviously we're going to come to later. But you know, Charlo. I think the thing is with Charlo is he's been very inactive um, and that's the problem with him. He's fighting Canelo in September. If he wins that, the guy will shoot up and be in everyone's top 10. So Charlo's definitely one to think about who we haven't mentioned and hasn't fit in. I don't think he's in yours. He ain't in mine. I don't think he is in yours, Sean, but he's not in mine at the minute because of his inactivity. Uh, but yeah, just going Haney. I mean, look, he's six for me because... Yeah, that undisputed, he's undisputed champion after all. That's what he is. He is the champion of this division and whether people like it or not, it's how it is. Uh, he lost to, he, he beat Loma in a very controversial fight. It's difficult to swallow. Um, in the last, all, I mean, the Cambos' rematch happened in, in August. Um, or not August, but it happened sort of within, within 12 months. So look, when you look at it like that, he's gone to Australia one twice. He's very young and he, he's a quality fighter. He's a quality operator. And he deserves to be in the top 10. I mean, uh, anyone that doesn't put him in there, you know, I, I think you'd be a bit crazy not to. He deserves to be in there, irrespective of what you feel about that Loma fight. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to just jump straight on to number four. Actually, no, before I do that, Sean, I'm going to mention this other guy. So this other guy, no, I have nobody has any, anywhere near a, a pound for pound top 10 is Ken Shiro, uh, the Japanese guy, unified like flyweight champion. And the reason why I have him sort of in at 10 is because of the fact that he is a flyweight, you know, and he, he just gets overlooked, Sean. The light flyweight division is light flyweight, flyweight, super flyweight. It, it just doesn't get a lot of credibility as some of the other glamour divisions. And, and the fact it's in Japan, it's not in America, I feel that it gets overlooked. And I feel like Kinsharo has been overlooked. And I also think the... The Kayaguchi win, where he stopped him in seven rounds, and that was in November last year, and it's within the 12-month time. I think that win is better than Davis against Garcia. I really do. And if anything, I actually, I, I can't even, when you look at Anua and Fulton Jr., for instance, which we'll come to in a minute, that was the level. That was that was the other fight for me I looked at, and I thought them too, Ken Sharo and Kayaguchi, that was a huge fight. If that had been in any other weight class and it had been in America, then um, I feel that people would have been lapping up Ken Sharo. It's a surprising choice for many, but he, you know, he's in a light flyweight division, gets wrongly neglected. And also he came back from a knockout loss against a guy called Yakubi, sorry, uh, Yabuki. And he came back with an immediate rematch to knock him out in two rounds. I mean, this guy is a tremendous fight. If anyone hasn't seen him, I advise you to go and look at him because for me, that he's the guy that squibs in the top 10 and pushes out your Charlos and the Stradas, etc. Yeah, I mean, that again, this is why I love doing these conversations because we know there's going to be always something different with our opinions about who we think should be in there. And that's the beauty of it. There's no point of us sitting here doing this for you guys listening and us just saying, yep, yeah, we both have the same person at number nine, number eight, number seven, and so on and so forth. There wouldn't be, be any point in that, of course. And, and there are obviously fighters that is going to be 
difficult to, to to not be the same on because there's certain fighters that have done things in the sport where it's like, yeah, you've got to have that person at number one, two, and three. And I think many people's number one, two, and three are very solidified at this moment in time. But yeah, Ken Shiro's, I think, is a really good shout. And I think, you know, anybody else looking at this list would say, yeah, do you know what? He probably deserves to be in this list. If you're basing this list on the last 12 months then absolutely he's got to be in there but if you're basing it over the last few years and, and where people's careers are at yeah. and what they've achieved then he's not so much going to get put in there and that, that's the difference is, is how do you perceive the top 10 do you perceive it on the basis of it's got to be over the last couple of years and, and the performances and the consistency and the accolades and, and that's kind of how I would tend to, to go with it but having said that, there's a certain fighter there in this list, in ESPN's list, that I think he's not in the Ring Magazine's list whatsoever. And it'll be due to lack of inactivity, credible opposition, and the fact that this fighter's not defending his title. And that's Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's in ESPN's list at number six, but he doesn't feature at all in the Ring Magazine's list because they still have Errol Spence, Lomachenko, and Lopez in there, respectively. So... This is a good debate to have. And I know we're going to talk about sort of the heavyweight division a little bit later on. But as a general pound for pound list, you know, there's only two heavyweights who you could argue would feature in it. One of them, of course, is Usyk. The other one is Tyson Fury. But due to what I said earlier, lack of credible opposition and lack of activity and the fact that now he's not defending his title against Usyk and he's going for the, the cash grab against Francis Ngannou. Do you consider him to be in the top 10 pound for pound list at this moment in time, given the fact of what he's done in his career? Or do you not stick him in it because of the fact that he really isn't fighting any credible opposition as of recently? In his last 12 months, he's fought Dillian White and he's fought Derry Chisora. Dillian White at the time he fought him was credible. Derry Chisora wasn't. He's now not fighting again this year, defending his title. So... If you were doing it on a yearly basis, absolutely not. I don't think Tyson Fury should be in there. If you're doing it on a, an overall basis about what fighters have achieved in their careers, would he sneak into the top 10? Maybe, maybe just about, maybe just about. But I'll be honest with you, he, at this moment in time, I don't really think he sort of sits in my top 10. I can't, I could make an argument based on accolades and achievements in his career. But if I'm thinking about it on the basis of more recent times and maybe the last two, maybe even three years, does he sit in my top 10? No, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, look, you've you got to look at activity. You've got to look at the level of opposition they've fought in the last 12 months and also currently titles they've won, currently historically, you know, achievements over the last few years and, you know, that lack of activity of fighters, especially world champions today, is always an issue really for me. But, you know, the technical ability as well, you know, it, would he stand up against some of these guys? Look, I generally don't tend to put heavyweights in here. I mean, Usyk's heavyweight and he will feature, but he was a cruiserweight. So for me, you know, he is a, he's a guy that should be in there because of the fact that he, he's fought a cruiserweight, not just heavyweight. Heavyweight, I feel, is, you know, that is the, the popular weight. That's the, you know, that's the weight that everyone's... If the heavyweight game ain't doing well and... The the rest of fighting in general for those that are not diehard boxing fans, they don't watch boxing. Let's be honest. You know you, you can you can force whatever fights you want down their throat, but if they're just generally guys that just watch the big fights, it tends to be the heavyweights. And you know if the heavyweight 
is his own game. It's, it's, that's why I, st I tend to separate. I think you have your top 10 heavyweights and then you have your top 10 pound for pounders. But even then, even if I was to look at it in, a, in that way and think, okay, I'll put heavyweights in there, I still wouldn't have him in there, Sean. I'm with you. I wouldn't. Because of the fact is, when you look at some of the other guys, I just feel that in terms of what they've done and how they've gone about their business, I don't think Tyson Fury's the top 10 best. I mean, this is a huge statement because people will probably shoot me down for it, but I don't think he is the best. All the fighters that fight at the minute, he does not feature as the 10 best in boxing at the minute. I don't believe so. Not for me. Um, I mean, if he goes and beats Anthony Joshua, beats Usyk, and I do say Anthony Joshua because, you know, he is a name you need to beat and, and he does go and beat Usyk, then... I'll definitely give him more credit as long as they're not controversial and he does his business. But yeah, a couple of wins over Wilder, it's not enough for me. Well, instead of Fury in my list, uh, I would still I would still favour Errol Spence to be to be in his place. To be honest with you, because I still think, regardless of the fact that he's lost, he's still done a lot of things in his career in the last couple of years. To, to 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 for me to justify being in this list, and that's why I'd keep him in there. I'd personally have him in there instead of someone like Tyson Fury at number six. I'd be I'd be inclined to to keep someone like an Errol Spence in there. So for me, I think Errol Spence, regardless of the fact he's lost this this undisputed fight, I still think he should be in the top ten. We can't just throw somebody out of the top ten. Uh, immediately after they've lost a fight. I mean, look at Canelo, for example. Canelo does feature in my list higher up the list that I've got. But look, when he lost to Bivol, did people kick him out of their list? No, they didn't kick him out of the list. He's still in the list because of what he was able to do and bounce back from. I've got every faith that, that Errol spends, regardless of what people think of him at the moment, whether they think he's a done fighter or whether they think you know he, he won't achieve anything further in the sport now. Whatever you think of him at the moment, at this moment in time, for me, he stays in the top 10. I'd put him in there over Tyson just because Tyson's done nothing over the past couple of years. He's defended his WBC title. Since he beat Wilder, he's defended it against White and he's defended it against Chisora. That's not good enough for me to be in a, a, a regular changing top 10 pound for pound list. Absolutely not. So that's why I'd keep Spence in there at the moment. I wouldn't just chuck him out straight away because he lost because I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back at 154. And I think dependent upon what Charlo does if Charlo ends up losing one of his belts which is what I've heard he's going to lose at least one of his belts taking the fight with Canelo in September that then a fight becomes available for the other fighters in the division people like Tim Zhu will be looking to capitalize on that someone like Errol Spence moving up Terence Crawford potentially moving up as well then it makes it a whole different kettle of fish in the 154 division. So don't write Errol Spence off just yet. Really don't write him off. But in terms of current pound-for-pound pound list, Johnston, I'd put Errol Spence in there over Fury at my number six. So, you know, people are going to go, yeah, put Tyson Fury, he's done this and this. I'm not, I'm, I'm looking at the last couple of years at the moment and thinking, where are people? How consistent are they? How active are they? How credible is the opposition? Tyson Fury doesn't even sit in the top 10 because of the lack of activity and the lack of credible opposition. So Errol Spence sits at number six for me. Yeah, um, I've got him at eight. The reason why I had him at eight is because obviously, you know, he did take a bit of a, a pasting against Terence Crawford. And even then, he's still not quite as active as I'd like. But, you know, there have been issues outside of the ring. But, yeah, he lost to one of the best fighters around in the world today. And, you know, he could arguably still be any of the current welterweight world champions at the minute, or I say champions, welterweight fighters in the division that are contenders. 
even those in two class weights above him, uh, whether it's super well away or the middleweights. I still feel that he, if he stepped up into them rings, obviously if Crawford ain't there, he beats pretty much all of them. Uh, there's an argument for him to beat them all in a way that, honestly, I do believe that. So he is still a very good, excellent fighter, world-class fighter. And just because of his defeat against the guy who, for me, is he's out on his own. I mean, the three guys we're going to come to in a little while, Sean, I feel at this moment in time, this present time, I don't think there's anyone better than the three of them. In any weight class, for me, they're just technically so much better than everybody else. I honestly believe that. I think they're smarter. We will come to them in a minute. But yeah, Errol Spence comes in at eight for me. So I've got Ken Shiro, 10. I've got Davis at 9, Spence Jr. at 8, Baturviev at 7, and Haney at 6. And in the next 5, I don't think we're going to change. I think I think maybe the top 2 we may do. Um, other than that, I think I think we're pretty much going to be the same on these last 5, top 5, Sean, and you? I think so. So let's just run through 5, 4, and 3 then, and let's see where we both sit with 5, 4, and 3. So... Number five for me, Dimitri Bivol. That's who I've got there at number five. I think with his defeat of Canelo, with him then going on to defeat Gilberto Ramirez, fellow undefeated fighter at the time in his next challenge, he now just needs the, the big fight against Arta Baturbiev, as we were saying earlier, to really solidify himself the same as Baturbiev does. But I think with someone like Abibol, because of what he's done, because of how he was, in in a lot of ways, expected to kind of lose to Canelo, and then he's gone on to beat Ramirez, and then you're forgetting he's, he's got a really good resume anyway in the division. I think he has to sit there at number five. He does. For me, he still sits there at, at number five. So I, I, I've got him at number five. Who have you got? I've got Canelo Alvarez. Um, I, I, I've... <laughs> I knew we'd have the stuff. I've got a good feeling we've got the same top five. It's just what older. So, yeah, I went with Kenelo at five. Uh, win over an age Golovkin helped with that and keep me in around the top five. What he's done historically helps him quite a bit. I mean, it, the guy is uh, a sensational fighter. There's no doubt about that. Uh, jumping up to 175 pounds to fight one of the best light heavyweights in the business, a world-class fighter. You've got to give him credit for it. He took the gamble and it didn't pay off, but he, he, he had the bollocks to do it. So even though he lost, and he lost convincingly, I still feel that Canelo deserves to be in the top five. Um, so yeah, I would have Canelo there. That's where I'd have him. And look, he's un, un, he's a unified super welterweight champion, unified middleweight champion, undisputed super middleweight champion, and he held the WBO light heavyweight championship as well. I mean, he's beat Golovkin Ryder in the last 12 months. He's got Charlo coming up, who a lot of people have a lot of respect for, and I, I do. I still feel that he beats Charlo. Uh, that's my honest opinion as well. So the reason for that is, you know, 59-2, two, two and 2 with 39 knockouts. Yeah, he's my number five. I've got Canelo at number four. So who have you got at, who've you got at number got uh, four? four? Right, so there you go. Exactly. The reason, only reason why I went with Bivouac 4 is still deserves his place in the top four, uh, mainly because of that win against Ramirez and also just how emphatically he beat Canelo. You know, the fight with Canelo was supposed to happen, the rematch, for whatever reason it hasn't happened. The fight with Baturviev I was reading about recently because I would love to see Baturviev and Bivouac. Uh, and apparently what I read on a couple of articles is the conflict with Russia and Ukraine that's still going on is delaying this fight because of the Russian 
element to these two fighters. Apparently, now I don't know how true that is. I've read it in a couple of articles. It ain't been spread everywhere across the internet, but it is a possible reason why these two haven't got it on. But the fact of the matter is, he beat Canelo and he beat him well. And he's looking like he wanted that fight. It didn't happen for whatever reason. I'm not going to blame the guy. And yes, he hasn't been that sort of... When you look at how inactive he's been, I suppose, not like with them all, there's always one big win. And Gilberto Ramirez was a big win for him because he outclassed the guy. Much bigger than him. Done him by a unanimous decision. Clear as day. So, Bivol 4 for me. Top three then, Johnson. This is where it is pretty much solidified in everybody's mind about who the top three are. Yet again, it's just about order and order of who you have at the top spot. So... At number three, solidified for me, and probably solidified for you, I would have thought, uh, I could be wrong, is Alexander Usyk. I've got him at number three. Uh, what about you? Same here. Same here, yeah, right. Same. There yeah, you go. Yeah, the cruiserweight, you know, unified heavyweight champion, done Joshua twice. We were the last 12 months was their rematch. Got the scheduled fight with Daniel. Wants the Fury fight. One fight away with that Fury fight to become a, uh, a two, an undisputed in two weight classes of this four belt era. We've got to keep saying that, though, Sean. So there's been a, there's been many undisputed fighters in many different weights throughout the history of the sport, but in the four belt era, uh, Crawford's the only one to have done it so far. Usyk in third, and he's one belt away from doing. It. I think he's, I think he does it. I think if he did that, that would probably put him in with the shout of being number one, wouldn't it? But. Yeah. That, that's what's missing, really, at the moment for Usyk to be classed as number one. And the reason is, is because of the other two fighters above him at number two and number one. Now, interesting now, who have you got at number two? See, I said the other day, categorically, that Anoue was my man. Okay. But because Terence Crawford has done, you know, he is now the first ever in the four belt era. And we've got to keep saying four belt era, everybody. And I hate the belts. I hate the amount of belts there are for each, all of these weights. But he's the first man to do it. And the way he absolutely destroyed Spence Jr. I was watching it again the other night. And I watched the new way against Fulton Jr. And I can't help. I think that does it. I mean, look. The dominance against Spence Jr., who is a world-class fighter, is sublime. And it really was, you know, undisputed at super lightweight. Undisputed at welterweight. Held the WBO lightweight title. So, yeah, I've gone with Terence at number one, Terence Crawford, and Anua at second, who is only one fight away himself. Apparently, the Marlon Tapelez fight is being mentioned for late this year. If Anua goes and does that, then I will put Anua at number one. I think he will do that. So, he's sitting second for me, Crawford number one. Yeah, I've got it the same. That This is where we would go the same on. It was debatable, like I said at the start of the show, when we were talking about in the space of a week, the number one spot changed. And it did, didn't it? Because Inoue straight away propelled himself to number one with his victory over Fulton. And then we awaited the outcome a few days later of Crawford versus Spence. Now, I think even if Crawford would have just got like a, a unanimous decision in a more competitive fight, I still think I would have put him at number one for the same reasons that you've set out. But I think the way in which he dismantles Errol Spence, he's just really out there in comparison. And I think for him to have done that and to achieve that accolade, which he's now achieved, and to still be undefeated, and really everyone's just sort of salivating about what his next move's going to be, whether there's a rematch with Spence or whether he goes up to 154 or whether he takes a big fight with Jaron Boots Ennis in the welterweight division. There's so much left 
for, for, for Crawford to do in the next 12 months because I don't think he's got more than 18 months left. He's pretty openly said it himself. He's coming towards the end of his career. He's 36 years of age now, so he's got one or two fights left at best, and I think they're going to be mega fights. No matter what they are, they're going to be mega fights, 100%. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what happens to Crawford. So at this moment in time, he's got to be number one, a new A number two. Usyk number three. That that is a solidified top three in my eyes, and I don't think at the moment it, it can be changed. You could possibly stick Canelo in at number three if he goes on to beat Charlo, but then people are going to say, "Yeah, but Charlo's moving up and blah blah blah." He's fighting a fellow undisputed champion from another weight. Surely that will warrant Alvarez to move up to go past Usyk in in many people's eyes. I think he personally would, but because I don't think Usyk beating Dubois would really hold the same the same sort of power to be able to say, yeah, I'd, I'd keep him at number three because he's just had a win over Dubois. He can't really do anything more if Tyson Fury doesn't want to take that fight, for whether it's at this moment in time or whether it's in the future. He can't do anything more to control that. So, yeah, I think that it will change again in the next 12 months. I think you might see Canelo get ranked at number three and Usyk drop down to number four if Canelo beats Charlo. But then, obviously, if Usyk goes on and ends up fighting Fury next year and beats him, then he's potentially going to propel himself to number one with with that fight alone. So there are going to be some significant changes. There are big fights going on in other divisions that I think will make a difference to the top ten. We mentioned Haney and Regis Progre as well coming up. So there are certain fights that are going to happen. Baturbiev versus Smith in January, as you said. Waiting on Chakur Stevenson and Javante Davis's next move as well. And then you've got Bivol, of course, waiting his next move. So I think with all that in mind and where boxing is at at the moment, there's definitely going to be some changes. But that, that's kind of my my top 10. That's where I see the current top 10 pound for pound list at the moment. And you guys listening to, to it might have a completely different opinion. I don't think it's going to be overly dissimilar to both of our top 10s. I really don't think it will be because it's if it is, it's, it's going to be really hard to try to justify that. I think most people have a very similar top 10. It's just more so the order of how they see these fighters in the top 10. So yeah, it's, it's good to have this conversation about the current top 10 pound for pound fighters. But you said at the start, like we wanted to talk about the heavyweight division because like you said, Johnson, the heavyweight division, if, if it, it isn't doing well, then I do think, like, overall, business-wise, boxing does suffer a little bit if we're not getting some major fights in the heavyweight division because they do bring in some big money. Not to say that other fighters and other fights do not bring in the money because they certainly do. The lower weights are starting to really capitalise on that recently. But you wanted to briefly talk about the heavyweight top 10 list as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean we don't need to go into as much detail because I think, you know... You're going to look at those lists that we just run through. Some of them fighters are truly outstanding. And when you look at the heavyweight division, you know, barring Alexander Usyk, um, there isn't really anyone that would feature um, anywhere near the top 10. Um, and that just shows you that although there isn't, there's depth in the heavyweight division, there's competitive fights in the heavyweight division. But in terms of their ability and everything else, I, honestly, I don't feel that there is a huge... Amount we just want to see the big fights. I mean, look, I, I, I literally, I openly say my top ten now. Look, as of this moment, I mean, I had Luis Ortiz was a guy that sort of features every now and then, and I, 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 I just I, I struggled to stick him in there. So I've gone with Daniel because I think you know he's got two good wins and 
and he's got the, the Usyk fight coming up, who we've completely written Daniel off. And um, you never know if Daniel wins that fight, it could be Daniel Tyson Fury for the undisputed. I mean, <laughs> that would be incredible if that happened. Um, but yeah, for me, Daniel would I add at ten, and I had Hergovic at nine, I had Joyce at eight, and then old uh, Silit Bang Zhang, I had at seven because of his win over Joyce. I had White at six, and it's very controversial because I mean the drug test situation is he ever going to come back? But who knows? I had Ruiz. Five, Wilder at four, Joshua three, Fury two, Usyk one. That's that's how my heavyweight list is at this moment in time. Nah, mine's a little bit, little bit different. I think like if I look at my my top ten list at the moment, it is again subjective. So it's difficult. People might say, well, why is White in there? He's he's you know he's he's failed a test should we even be thinking about him i mean his last win was over jermaine franklin november last year so i think if i'm looking at it i'd still stick him in there at this moment in time because i couldn't really put ortiz in there above him i couldn't really put frank sanchez in there just yet because i don't think he's had that major major win as yet he's ranked number three by the wbo so, you know, you could argue, yeah, well, you could put him in there above why. I don't I don't think so. I think my top 10 at the moment looks a little bit like this. I think I'd put Joseph Parker back in the top 10 at number 10. I think I'd put him back in there because he is, he is on a little bit of a comeback at the moment. So I'd put him in there. I'd put Dillian White at 9. Dillian White at 9 for me. Joe Joyce at number 8. Now, this is, this is quite interesting. I'd put Philippe Hergovic at number seven, and I'd put Chile Chang over him. I'd put, I'd put him over him. I really would, even though he's actually beaten Zhang. I'd still put him over him. I think the win over Joyce was so significant for, for Zhang that it has, in my eyes, has is, is boosted him a bit more forward, even though Hergovic, his, his last win, was obviously not too long ago against Dempsey McKean. Uh, I'd put Hergovic at seven. I'd put Andy Ruiz at six. I'd actually put Zhang at number five. And then the top four is pretty much solidified. It's it's Wilder at number four, Joshua at three, Tyson Fury at two, and Usyk at number one. That is my top ten at the moment. But look at just outside of the top ten just for a moment. People like White, people like Parker, uh, people like Ruiz, I think could easily be pushed out by people like Jared Anderson. He is obviously fighting very shortly as well. He's WBO ranked number five. Martin Bicole, WBA ranked number two, could push a couple of these out of here. You've still got Otto Volin, who fought at the start of the year. You've got Arslanbek Makhmadov, who's WBC ranked number four, 17 and 0. Daniel Dubois, I think, you know, he, he should be a bit higher up. I mean, people rank him a little bit further down. They put him in the top 15, but they don't put him in the top 10. I think Daniel Dubois certainly ranks outranks people like Otto Volin and Martin Bicoli and Jared Anderson because he has actually picked up a, a version of a world heavyweight title and he's obviously fighting Usyk, as we said, very shortly. So for me, someone like a Dubois on the outskirts, but you've got a few fighters there, people like Anderson, Bicoli, Dubois, uh, Makhmadov, uh, even FAA Jagba. Uh, you know, these are sort of fighters that are going to be pushing for that top 10 spot and with Zhang and, and Joyce fighting each other again, you know, there's a potential here that if there was a repeat performance from Zhang in the rematch against Joyce, Joyce probably then slips out of that top 10 quite easily for someone else to come in. If Joseph Parker doesn't get a good fight and doesn't get a good win, then he probably slips out for someone like a Frank Sanchez. So I think in the heavyweight division, 
we're going to get massive movements over the next 12 months. I really do think there's going to be some really big movements because you're going to have fights, potentially Joshua versus Wilder next year, uh, hopefully Fury versus Usyk next year, Joyce versus Zhang's coming up in September. We're waiting for matches for someone like an Andy Ruiz to come there. You've got Frank Sanchez. You've got Luis Ortiz still floating around and Jared Anderson. So I honestly think if we did this episode 12 months to the date that we're doing it now, I honestly think the heavyweight division would look a lot different. I'm, I'm with you, absolutely, because, you know, one win over, you know, if Joshua gets the win or if Wilder gets the win, obviously there's a change there, and, and if Fury and Usyk get it on, there's a change there, and even then, it's minimal in terms of that top four, because the chances are these guys should be fighting against each other. You should have three and four against each other and one and two against each other, which is exciting. We hope we can get that next year. And then it is, I mean, it is as you as you like, as you said, Sean, you said some names, and I think Joe Parker will do a good shot. Uh, because of what he's done in the hit, sort of through the history of of the sport, and maybe he deserves to probably just be in the top two of a couple of wins. Um, I went with Daniel because of the fact that he's got himself into this shot. Really, that's the only reason why Ortiz could have been one, uh, even at forty four. You know, he's still a danger. Ortiz and Dubois would be a great fight, and I'm with you, Sean, with Zhang. Although Hergovic beat Zhang, I've got Zhang above him. I, I feel that Zhang um, he deserves it because. For me, beat Ergovic, and I was half asleep. As I say, it was I was in Turkey, so I was really late, early hours in the morning when I was watching that fight. I was falling asleep at the table, and uh, I managed to get myself livened up for the main event for Usyk Joshua. But yeah, um, I thought for, for the love of for love of God, honestly, I thought Zhang had the fight won. It was a dead set, and then when I realised Ergovic won it, I was shocked. So yeah, for me, Zhang beat him. Although on record, it doesn't suggest that. And then obviously, the great win against Joyce. So yeah, Zhang ahead of Ergovic. But you're right, Gerald Anderson, you know, he's a guy to look out for. He is. I mean, he's so young. He's ex- it's exciting, really. And even Martin Bacoli, when you look at it, is Bacoli's win over um, the the, the uh, French heavyweight champion, uh, his name, I think. Tony Yoka. Uh, Yoka. Tony Yoka. In France, That is, is that win better than, than um, sorry, than, than Daniel's win over and uh, the Gorman, for instance? I think it is. So probably... You could say Martin Bacoli deserves to be in a number 10. I think in terms of that victory alone, I think that could force any of the others out. It, again, it's a lot like the, the pound for pound list though, Sean, isn't it, isn't it? where you get the top four, top five, and then it's the rest is it just shuffles through. Whoever wins anywhere, as you say, it will change completely. Uh, but we just hope this time next year we can have Literally one and two against each other, three and four against each other. No matter how, what order you put it in, I don't think anyone can really say that they ain't the best for every way around at the minute. In Usyk Fury, Joshua Wilder, I don't think you can really. Um, I think it's a pretty. I mean, Ruiz. I, I feel that this guy could potentially be trouble for any one of those guys because of his hands, and obviously he's beaten Joshua. So, you know, I'd like to see Ruiz Wilder as well at some point. So, there's some great fights down the line. And obviously, Dillian's still in there because he's not been suspended or anything. Has he? As such, I don't think no, he has. No, he hasn't. Um, he hasn't. So, yeah, you can't just drop him out kind of thing. So, um, yeah, um, top four, top five, I think, solidifies itself. The rest is whatever you like, really. It doesn't really matter. We just want to see him fight each other. And yep. as, as you've just said, you know, the heavyweight game, as long as the heavyweight division is buzzing and you've got some big fights it, you know those fans that don't always watch boxing all the time 
will just take an interest in boxing in general and think, oh, okay, so what are these other fighters in? And then they will end up watching them fights and be like, oh, what a great year for boxing because we've had so many eyes. It's all about the heavyweight game. And that's what separates it from the pound for pound list for me because heavyweight's its own thing. It really is. If that ain't running smoothly, the rest of boxing for general public is pretty poor. It suffers, yeah. Financially, it suffers. Business, business-wise, it suffers when you're not getting the the bigger fights. You do get the odd fight that which just captivate the audiences, and I don't think Spence and Crawford really captivated the audiences. Although it was for our for in our terms, it was mega. It was a mega thing. It just didn't feel like it, especially in the UK. It didn't feel like it was as heavily promoted as one of the potential greatest fights of this modern era and and that's what really upset me as a fan was like you know such a big big fight like this and it just doesn't seem to be getting the same traction and this is what I'm trying to make the comparison and I know you're trying to make the same comparison about the heavyweight division when you get the heavyweight division and you get certain fighters in there that have created this brand in one way shape or form Wilder's created his own brand Joshua's got his own brand. Tyson Fury, of course, has got his own brand. And even Usyk has created his own brand over the past few years. And he, he he's captivated the mainstream audience. Like, people like Usyk. He's a likeable character. He doesn't speak a lot of English, but he's a likeable character because of, of, of who he is and, and what he does in the ring. And you do captivate general public to want to come and see these fights and then when the public see these fights and fighters they then start to take an interest in in those particular brands in boxing and that's why they'll come back and tune in again but it's trying to get those fights in the lower divisions to, to captivate the same level of audiences and unless the heavyweight division is thriving people don't general public don't generally look outside of of the heavyweight division unless you've got specific characters in the sport that have basically surpassed you know the 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 actual boxing world and, and crossed over into the mainstream world like people like floyd mayweather for example as much as we love to give him some crap about how we feel about him and his career he did cross over he did cross over to the mainstream. People would tune in to watch him, even if you wasn't a massive boxing fan, because you didn't like his attitude and you wanted to see him lose. So he crossed over in that way. There's other fighters that are starting to, to do a similar thing that are starting to cross over. There is fighters in the UK that are starting to build up that level of reputation where they'll eventually cross over in that way as well. And it's those type of fighters which will, outside of the heavyweight division, be able to capitalise on the general public wanting to see a fight but the whole point of this rant from me is really, again, with you, Johnston, if the heavyweight division isn't thriving, it isn't succeeding in the way in which it should, then I really do think it has a knock-on effect uh, in a negative way on the whole of the sport for, for fighters that wouldn't necessarily maybe get that mainstream coverage, even though on paper it's a mega, mega fight. Yeah, and you're right. That's exactly... I mean, Mayweather was the man to do it. I mean, before that probably Oscar De La Hoya. But even then, um, I still feel that you need to really be a diehard fan to really pick that up. I mean, there were moments when Oscar did sort of come over here, but it was definitely Mayweather. But the, 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 I remember the Oscar De La Hoya Mayweather fight was big, wasn't it? It was the one fight not sort of heavyweight related where you, I, I was going, I remember going football in the morning and people were talking to me about it. They were like, oh my God, I can't wait for this fight. And who do you think is going to win? And and I, that that just you know that type of thing there that just shows you that that it wasn't even like heavily publicised as much either. I don't remember it always being. I mean, Sky publicised it, but 
it was weird. It was just it just shows you that that's what you need. But do you know what it is though, Sean, as well for the lower divisions, bar and heavyweight, it is the inactivity. I mean, you're talking the the best fighters around, like like you look at Crawford and Nuair and Usyk, for instance. I mean, Crawford has only had two fights in the last twelve months. Nuair two fights in the last twelve. That's, that's a fight every six months. Usyk has had one fight in the last twelve months. Okay, sad that it will be. Two in 12 because of the Dubois fight coming up. That is not active enough. They need at least three fights. At least. Come on. I mean, is it. Am I. Am I like being unreasonable ish? Or should no, no. I be giving us two fights a year? I don't think they should. I think every three months, surely you can come out and, and even if it's. All right. Even if you have one big name in the year and then just have maybe a couple of challenges that are just top 10 related. That just sort of puts to rest any claim that they may have. You know, you yeah. assert your dominance kind of thing. Like every three months, is that unreasonable? You know, I don't think it is. If you can have three to four fights a year, you're better than one to two. And, you know, it makes, when you're doing these lists, that's what makes it even more harder is you can't even turn around and say, well, look at Haney. He's had four fights this year. He busted up a couple of top contenders and a, a world-class operator. And you, you can't say that because they're just, they're not fighting. Um, I don't know what that is. Is that the fighters themselves? Is that the television networks? Is that the promoters? It's probably the co- collaboration of the lot, really. But inactivity is killing it, man. And if they want to push the heavyweights and be more successful, I mean, saying that Mayweather was only a one fight a year, man. But he had already got his name by that point, And hence why there was a huge backing, as you say, he kept that undefeated record. But that's what you need, isn't it? I mean, that's how Tyson Fury is managing to do it. He's having one fight a year. I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm struggling to find the most active fighter this year. Um, Crawford's only had, um, I mean, uh, Davis only had two fights. Errol Spence only had one. Viterviev only had one. He's got one scheduled in January. Haney's had two. Uh, Alvarez has probably been the most active fighter, funny enough. Golovkin, Ryder and Charlo coming up. But even then, two in 12 months. Bivol, one. <laughs> it's crazy. Um yeah, you struggle really. Um, as as to just I don't know, Sean. I, I want to see more activity. I think that's what I'm getting at here. But don't want to put it on a downer. It's a great. There's some great fighters out there, and even the guys coming through. Your Fulton Junior is okay. He's nice. He could come through again. Regis Pro great. Boots Ennis Estrada on his day. Shakur Stevenson. I mean, whether he's there or not. But Lomachenko, whether he's going to retire. Hopefully, he don't know if he's got them fighting him. Lopez and my other guy, Jesse Bam Bam Rodriguez. Just to think of those guys. I mean, he's fighting Sonny Edwards in December, apparently, uh, scheduled in. So, Rodriguez could be another name in there as well. Yep, there's definitely a lot that'll probably change in this top 10 pound-for-pound list that we've done in the next 12 months. And we'll always look to try and do them every 6 to 12 months because there's always good shifts and good conversations to be had. And just while we're still on the topic of about heavyweight boxing and how there's a bit of a windfall effect, negative and positive, I think the other thing to think about, which we've not touched on, is how boxing is perceived as a ranking sport in different countries in the world. So... UK and US boxing scenes are the two biggest boxing scenes in the world, in my opinion. Now, I don't think boxing, and I've heard this firsthand from from people within boxing in America, that boxing is quite low down the pecking order in terms of sports in America. They've got baseball, they've got ice hockey, they've got basketball, they've got football, the NFL, college football, local football. 
they're all much bigger sports demographic wise than what boxing is in the US. So I can understand now why some of the fighters don't get that level of exposure, even though they're on worldwide networks, they don't it doesn't sort of translate over to different countries fully because of the fact that it isn't as much of a well-received sport in the US. And you wouldn't think that, would you? But it isn't. I've been told firsthand of many people that boxing is like, if you go in a top 10 of sports in America, boxing's like right at the bottom of the list because you've got all these other sports. Whereas in the UK, I honestly think boxing is maybe like your second or third best sport in the UK or most watched or most followed sport in the UK. I know football or soccer, as it's known in America, is definitely number one. There could be an argument with another sport for number two. I can't think off the top of my head what that could be. It could be rugby. It could be something else. But I know boxing would definitely be in the top three sports in the UK. So I do think that also has a massive impact in how that's perceived worldwide from different places of where a lot of these big fights are staged. Because if they're not, it's not perceived that well then the likelihood is a lot of these fights and fighters are not going to translate worldwide. And that's why things like Crawford and Spence didn't really get the same level of promotion in the UK as it maybe as it did in, in the regions of the US. And it sounds contrary to what I'm saying, but because of the fact that it was a bigger fight maybe in the US because of who was fighting, it was well promoted more. But I didn't feel it was promoted that well over here. I didn't feel like, you know, we got that same level of... of translation over from america whereas some fights are really heavily promoted that you think it's, it's a must-see fight so i do think that also has a part to play in in this as well and, and and i think that's why you do get moments within the sport where it does affect it it does affect the windfall effect of being able to get these lower weight category fights up to that point where people are going to be like, it's a must-see fight and people will buy the pay-per-views and people will tune into it because of that. And you think about them lower weights you were mentioning earlier on in the episode, like Jesse Rodriguez and Sonny Edwards fighting in December, how heavily promoted is that going to be? I, I mean, I don't think we'll expect a big promotion uh, in America for it. Uh, I'd, I'm certainly sure, obviously, there'll be promotion over here from our side because he's a British fighter, but... Quite honestly, I don't think it's a fight that's going to translate worldwide where everybody's going to be like, oh, I need to see this fight. So I don't, I, that, that, there's fights like that that will go under the radar, which are on paper, technically, potentially some of the best fights you're going to see this year. And you are so right, exactly that. I mean, that's why when I mentioned the Kinsharo uh, Kayaguchi fight, went well under the radar. No one even better than I did it. And you make a great point with, with sports ranking. I mean, when you look at baseball in Japan, for instance, it's it's baseball, football, football uh, as in soccer, uh, sumo wrestling, tennis, figure skating, apparently rugby union as well. They've, they've come about, they've, they've taken quite a like. So, you know, it doesn't even feature us as sort of top seven. And then you look at, I mean, in England, I mean, you're right. I mean, for me, it's always been football, boxing, you know, they've been my top two. But you know, I do watch other stuff, but then you've got cricket and rugby union and tennis probably and golf and Formula One, probably the other ones that are quite big in this country. And as you say, in America, there's so many other, you know, because they've got their baseball, which they love and American football and uh, NHL even, uh, the ice hockey, uh, basketball. I mean, they're, they're head and shoulders, even college basketball's above boxing. So you're right in terms of that sense. But um, yeah, these fights are going to be some great fights. But yeah, that, that Edwards and... Rodriguez, I mean, what a fight that is. I can't wait for that. I'm really excited for that. And it will it'll go under the radar because 
I mean, as you say, over here, we'll probably have it on our sort of sport channel uh, that we listen to, Talk Sport, which is what I listen to on a regular basis. So they, they would always mention the fights, always the bigger fights, but they do touch on some of the other ones. I'm sure they'll probably mention this one. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, where's boxing going at times? And it doesn't help when you get guys failing drugs tests and, and then the other guys where which we haven't mentioned, Sean. I suppose we, I want to close. I wouldn't mind having a quick conversation before we completely close off, but with uh, Conor Ben, uh, wasn't expecting the British Boxing Board of Control to appeal the, the initial decision uh, for him um, to be cleared, and they have. And um, I just, what are your thoughts on that, Sean? I mean, again, another stain on boxing, isn't it? They obviously don't believe it. Simple as that. Is they obviously don't believe it. Why would they lodge an appeal? Because if they've lodged an appeal to me, it means that they don't think he's been fully cleared and they had first findings in his testing that they're completely not happy with, which is why they've done it. He probably weren't expecting that to happen. His team weren't expecting that to happen because I think they thought if they got cleared by another anti-doping agency, that all would be fine and dandy and that would be able to continue. The fact of the matter is these adverse findings must be adverse enough that the British Boxing Board of Control is not just lying down and accepting this. Uh, so as a result of that now, it just puts him in more turmoil. And then not to mention that, as a side note, Alicia Baumgardner also oh, testing yeah. positive as well. That's another one that's yeah. come up in the last week that we haven't had the chance to speak about where, you know, she's always looked really ripped and you look at her physique and you think, oh, she's, you know, she's, she's looking really well. Now you start to think, well, what about the time that she stopped Terry Harper dead in her tracks? Was that something to do with performance-enhancing drugs? You know, she beat Michaela Mayer, but I don't think she beat Michaela Mayer. How long has she been on it? Is it a mistake? Is, is, is there more boxers, male and female, in this sport than what we realise that are actually going on these cycles of performance-enhancing drugs and taking these masking agents to try and stop this from happening, but then some of them are getting more caught out than others? How many people are actually on it? How many fighters are actually on it? It really starting to is starting to tar the name of boxing to tar the sport, and it's going to start getting to the point where people are going to start going, "Oh well, they're just bloody all at it. What's the point of watching it if if they're all just at it and they're all just cheating anyway?" It turns people off. It does. It turns a lot of people off the sport. Like people that are not as hardcore with the sport like we are, it's going to turn them off. They're just going to go, "Do you know what? Why the hell would I want to watch a sport where it's just full of cheaters? I'd rather go and watch this sport." And it turns them off, and then they put their focus, their attention, and more importantly their money into other sports so then boxing loses out again because of moments like this when you get high profile fighters testing positive for certain banned performance enhancing drugs and you're right um i mean look, the other aspect of it as well is um when you when you see things like this uh i mean my boy um i, I will not be sending him into a boxing ring you know i won't he won't need to go into a boxing ring you know because he's He'll be stable enough to be able to earn himself an education, uh, whether he wants to go to university or not. That's up to him. And if he wants to go straight into work, he can do that. But we'll support him. We'll have his backing to do that. And and I watch, certainly won't be sending him into a boxing ring because of the fact that I I know what it does to people. You know, you can see it, you can read about it. You know, and um, most of the time, the fighters that end up in boxing are the guys that. Why would you step into the ring? Unless you have a family affair and everyone's done it, a bit like the army situation, or if you're skinned and you need some money, um, and fighting's the only way out. Um, to be honest with you, that's that is, I think that's another issue. Everybody, you know, if your boy says he's going to play football, you're right with it. I mean, I've just asked you the question, Sean. 
I know you haven't got a son, you've got girls, but um, even that being said, one of your girls, if one of your girls said they want to start boxing and become a boxer, I mean, would you? I, I know you've got a love for the sport. Would you Would you want them to? I'm just, I, I think that's the other issue. I, so I Personally, I won't. If my son demanded he wanted to go in the ring, I'm, I'm definitely doing it, Dad. He's going, wouldn't want to go behind my back and he was like, I'm doing it, I love this sport, then I wouldn't hold him back and I'd help him, absolutely. But, I wouldn't be pushing him into getting in that ring. I think that's the point. I don't want to push your kids doing anything, but it's not one of them sports. You know, when, when, I'm, when I'm going through the sports of my son, I'm looking at athletics. I'm looking at cricket. I'm looking at football. You know, I'm looking at stuff, rugby even, touch rugby kind of thing. I, I don't look at boxing, Sean. And I, that makes me very, it contradicts myself because of the love of the sport. But I wouldn't want to send my loved one into the ring to get their heads kicked, punched in. I, just my honest opinion. And that's probably another thing that weakens the sport. Yeah, it probably does, yeah. I think a lot of people get into the sport through sheer love or whether the stories are like you've heard with with the podcasts I've done in the past with different fighters where it's like, you know, they get into the sport because they end up getting bullied or there's an issue or whatever it may be. A lot of the times it is usually when they're younger where they get into it and they just enjoy it and it becomes routine and discipline and it's so drilled into them that they don't always end up having... Uh, a secondary plan outside of it whereas like there are fighters that are really well educated but enjoy the sport that much that they do want to be a part of the sport i honestly think with the sport if you're going to get your children into it and you're serious about pushing them on in the careers and you want them to do something in the sport what's most important is who they have around them who are their trainers who are their managers who are their promoters if you are well versed within how the sport works business wise then I don't think you, you your child will have a problem going into the sport. But if you're uneducated and naive to all the stuff that really goes on, that's where I think you are putting them at risk and you're putting them in danger because you've seen when promoters have put fighters in certain fights where their skill levels are just not up to the level of their opponents and they end up getting dismantled, absolutely dismantled in the ring. And it, it takes the confidence away and, it, and it's just it's harrowing to see. And this is boils down to the, the business elements of it when you get greedy managers and greedy promoters that want to earn a coin off this particular fighter and they'll see an opportunity and they'll take it and they won't really think about the implications of what that has on the fighter and their family if you're going to get your kids into this sport you're doing it because the kids want to do it not because you're forcing them into it because you love it you're doing it because they enjoy it you want to be around them you want to help them you want to guide them but they've got to have the right people around them so would i let my daughters get into the ring and fight only if they were wanting to do it and if they did want to do it i'd be with them every step of the way and i'd be supporting them and because i've got more of a, an extensive background within boxing behind the scenes i know what to expect and what not to expect and what's good and what's bad and i think that that's the difference if you if you're a parent who casually listens and goes oh, i quite fancy my kid going into this sport you need to be very careful and have your wits about you and you need to have the right people around your child and the right people around them guiding them in the right way. There are a lot, and I mean a lot, of wonderful people in this sport that would guide them in that right direction and would not want them to get hurt and train them well enough that they wouldn't get hurt that bad. But then there are those, that minority of them, that are there for financial profit and financial gain and 
you know, it's just about having the right people around you. So, yeah, I mean, that and that probably answers the question. Would I let them do it? Only if they really wanted to and if they had the right trainers and right people around them. Other than that, I'd be like, no, because you're risking your life every time you go in the ring. So, no, I wouldn't want you to do it. So that that that's my thought on that. But it's um, it's it, it boils down to the fact that and goes back to the fact that it's scary to think that there are people in the professional side of this sport that are taking performance enhancing drugs in a sport which could end your life in just one single punch. Yep, and that that is that's half the f- sort of thought that come into my head. Sort of reading about Connor Bennon and Alicia and, and and stuff, and obviously Dillian, um, and it does make you it makes you ponder that thought. And um, you know, when I was I was doing the pads with my, my son quite recently, he's quite funny. He's great, great funny. He's enjoying himself and. Don't get me wrong, yeah. Uh, you know, as as I've said, I, I sound hypocritical in a way because I love the sport. Would I put my son in it? I wouldn't force him in it, no. But yeah, and and the drugs is just it just. Look, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, maybe we should leave that for another time. But the one thing I will say as well, though, Sean, before as we're ending here, is we probably should do a little special pound for pound for the females, which we haven't done. We ain't like forgetting you girls, by the way. Uh, the girls are sort of they're doing the business I mean I mean for us England you know they got to the final got beat by the Spanish but a great little tournament for us and we always we support girls in everything they do um, and boxing obviously is one where my knowledge on, on the female side of boxing is definitely a lot better since we first started this show and that's because of you to be fair because I did neglect the women's boxing um, so the last sort of what three four years I've really been taking a keen interest so I think maybe we'll do a separate um, sort of show just on uh, our pound for pound female Sean at some point but uh, yeah just thought I'd throw that out there and yeah keep keep doing what you got to do girls because uh, to be fair they've, they've done well with some of the fights this year already yeah I still feel there's some issues that need to be ironed out and we'll definitely cover that off in a in a separate episode of course it'd be yeah, really good to exactly. do something something separate on him but guys this is it for the episode it's uh, really good to be back doing these Shooting the Breeze episodes. And, of course, we will try to fit these in where possible around all our series-based content, our interviews that get done. We've got, obviously, all these fights coming up in September that we're going to be doing. Uh, we are on a holiday as well. Both of us are having our own little leaves with our family, so we aren't recording for a week or two. So when we are back and we're back into a routine and back into a schedule, we will look to do some more of these episodes. But do you know what, Johnston? I've really enjoyed sitting down doing this doing the pound for pound list talking about the heavyweights having our little sort of thoughts and feelings on some of the stuff that's happened quite recently and 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 sort of general chit chats and this is what the whole title of the episode is about when you say shooting the breeze it's it's going essentially from one topic to another topic to another topic and, and and not really having a major structure to how the episodes play out so it has been really good and i hope you guys and girls listening I've really enjoyed listening to it. And if you have, please do always let us know what your thoughts are on the content of the episode. Do you agree with the pound for pound list? What are your pound for pound list? Do you agree with the heavyweight conversation? Do you agree about children going into the sport? And would you put your own child in the sport? And the drugs testing scandals that have been going on as well, of course. Love to hear everybody's thoughts on that. You can do that on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod and across all social media at BTR Boxing Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe to us on any available podcasting app. We're on Spotify, Apple, we're on Google, we're on every single podcasting app that you can even think of. If you go on your smart speaker as well, if you've got an Alexa or you've got a Google and you basically say, hey Google or 
hey Alexa, please play BTR Boxing Podcast. It'll actually bring you up the latest episode on our feed. So please go and try it out. It's pretty fun and pretty surreal to do even now for us doing this for a good few years now. But please make sure you do subscribe, like and comment and share and do all the necessaries because it really does help us. I'm going to say one more final thank you and that's to the patrons of the podcast. Thank you so much for subscribing to us via patreon.com and supporting us in a small financial way to allow us to continue to progress. And as a result of that, I have just been able to purchase some new equipment for the podcast to take it back on the road again. So I will be doing some more one-to-one interviews with fighters locally, and I'll try and take it even more nationally when I'm out and about and try and get some more fighters onto the show and get some more interviews with prospects and just start to ramp up the level of content from our perspective. So a big thank you to the patrons because without their support and their input into the podcast network, we wouldn't be able to start making these levels of enhancements. And if you're not a patron, and you want to check out what we do and and why we ask for that support and that membership, you can check us out at patreon.com forward slash BTR Boxing Podcast. Now on there, you will get access to episodes earlier. The series-based content goes out earlier than what it does to the general public. Every episode is ad-free. It's got its own ad-free episode list on Spotify. You can subscribe on there and get all the patron-only stuff on there and make it a bit of a one-stop shop. You will have input into what episodes go out. You can listen to all the patron-only one-off episodes that we've done. Boxing Through the Decades, we've done about seven or eight episodes of that so far. That will be returning a little bit later on this year for the remaining episodes of the series. So please just go and have a quick look at it. And if you can support us, it really is genuinely appreciated. But that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to our Shooting the Breeze. Podcast Network.